The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the Sixer Sense Podcast, hosted by co-site experts Lucas Johnson and Christopher Klein. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of our podcast. I'm Lucas, I got Chris and Uriah here. We are recording on a Wednesday night during the post-All-Star Game break. And we are just relaxing before the season starts up again tomorrow. And then the Sixers... And James Harden makes their debut post-All-Star break um, Friday. Guys, are we getting excited? Yeah, I'm super excited. We're going to talk a lot about James Harden. We're going to rank some Smurfs. I mean, a Sixers. <laughs> and it'll be a really fun podcast. I think. <laughs> it wasn't me, Uriah. It was him. It wasn't me. Look, no one cares about the Smurfs what? except what you happened? guys. Smurfs? I didn't say Smurfs. <laughs> Chris said, we're supposed to rank the Sixers tonight. And Chris was like, oh, no, we'll rank the Smurfs, actually. <laughs> Number one uh, Smurf, what? Vanity hefty. Smurf? Hefty Smurf. He was is, that, is, is there a hefty Smurf? <laughs> yeah, man. He had the tattoo on his arm and everything. <laughs> All right. Anyway. I get anyway. Yeah, anyway. Cool. Anyway. Um. Okay. Oh gosh, this is okay. I wasn't ready for this. I was not. I need to. I think we need to regroup here, guys. Um. So so anyway, Chris, you said we're gonna talk a lot about James Harden. I think we need to go ahead and just jump into it, please. Yeah. So in case you all missed it, James Harden is a member of the Philadelphia 76ers. That that yeah, it's it's pretty cool. Um. I still can't believe it. I I go to bed at night and I wake up and I think I'm dreaming. It's pretty, pretty cool. Um, so, Lucas, first question I have for you. <laughs> the James Harden trade is the biggest... Oh, my gosh. Sixers trade since Philip uh, Blank. You know, a lot of people, especially these younger heads, probably will say Jimmy Butler, and that's not a bad answer. Okay, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna, Let I'm me gonna just preface it. It says since, not ever. Okay, 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 okay. I'm just saying, I'm gonna throw out this name, and I know it might not be the sexiest name on the block here, but Dikembe Mutombo back in 2001. <laughs> and okay, you can snore all you want, but Chris, he was a, I think he was the reigning defensive player of the year. He was an all star. Yes, yes, yes. And uh, on top of that, he came to the Sixers and the Sixers made it to the NBA Finals. I think Theo Ratliff and a couple other players and maybe a pick was involved. I'm not exactly sure the yeah. exact yeah. mechanics of that trade, but I know Theo Ratliff was like the main piece of that. Your eye would probably remember it more because he was probably after college at that point. Yeah, I do remember, and I was in college, you dodo. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, so the irony is that when they, when they, when they traded for Matumbo after that trade, the Sixers were five hundred team. They were actually not as good as they were with Ratliff. But anyway, I'll save mine for later. 
Okay, Chris, do you want to go ahead and um, put yours in there? So, in case y'all forgot, the Sixers traded for Jimmy Butler a few years ago. Um, Jimmy Butler, at the time, borderline top 10 player in the NBA. I think a lot of people by season's end would have been comfortable telling you that Jimmy Butler was the Sixers' best player at the time. when they. Yeah, he him. didn't make the All-Star game. He did not that season because there was certainly an adjustment period. He obviously had the falling out in Minnesota where he kind of did the James Harden routine, but um, (laughs) no, 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 no. He tried hard. There was never not trying. He actually scared the Timberwolves by saying, you can't, you can't win without me at practice. And I love how game of zones play that off too. Uh, Shout out to Adam. Um. Well, now James Harden and Jimmy Butler have both been traded to the Sixers. Um, Obviously, the Jimmy trade did not work out quite like the Sixers hoped it would. Um, He obviously didn't last more than a season, but by season's end, he was probably the best player on the team at that time. Joel was not the player he is now. Joel was great. Joel was a sensational player, but he's not the player he is now. That trade put Philly firmly in title contention for the first time in the Embiid era. I think it's fair to say. Now they are back in title contention because they have traded for James Harden. So I think there are some pretty clear parallels there. Obviously, Embiid is the best player now, pretty definitively. Um, James has not had his best season. Obviously, hamstring injuries are tricky. We will see what he looks like coming out of this All-Star break. He's had some time off now. He hasn't really been able to like rest and rehab properly in like over a year, but Harden this season has not been a top 10, top 15 player. He's been really good. He was an all-star. Don't don't get me wrong. Like, he's a great player, even in his quote-unquote diminished state. But there's an argument to be made that Jimmy was better when he was traded to Philly than Harden is right now. We'll see, ultimately. But I, I think there are a lot of parallels there. So I think the answer has to be Jimmy Butler. You know, Chris, I would love to read that and. uh I think that would be a fun little article to to do. Honestly, that's that's a that's a great idea. That's a great comparison, a great counterpoint point that I would love to see hashed out. Um, but Uriah, you said you were saving yours, man. Go ahead and chime in. Listen, I love Jimmy Butler. He's probably my second favorite player in the entire NBA, even today as a Behind Al player. Well, come on, man. <laughs> don't don't uh, insult my basketball intelligence. But anyway, so I love Butler and Matumbo. I, I like that trade at the time. I thought without him, we would not have probably made it to the finals before mm-hmm. Shaq literally stomped us out. Okay, to be fair, nobody could sh- stop Shaq at that You're point. right. You're right. But Matumbo did the best he could. But I'm going to take you back to the 80s, boys and girls. And there was a trade that really got the Sixers over the hump. They made it to the finals several years with Dr. J, they lost to Portland, I think, once or twice. But it wasn't until the Sixers traded for one Moses Malone, okay? And if you guys don't know who Moses Malone is, look, eight-time All-NBA, two-time All-Defensive player, three-time MVP, 13-time All-Star. And let me tell you, his numbers, before he was traded to the Sixers and joined and teamed up with Andrew Tony and um, – he teamed Dr. up with J. Andrew Tony and Dr. J. Yeah, his numbers in 1981-82, 31 points, 14.7 rebounds a game. Now, when he joined with Dr. J and they won the championship that next season in 82-83, his scoring dipped to 24.5, but he his rebounding went up to 15.3. So if you're talking about the biggest trade 
uh, you know, like you're talking about James Harden, I, I'd take you back to the 80s and, and I'd say Moses is the one. That's a fair comparison because a lot of people would, uh, you know, the the basketball savants and historians would say, even though you had Larry Bird and Magic Johnson in that era, there was a short, you know, two to three window year span that you could say that Moses Malone was the best player in basketball at that point. Not not either one of those guys. Um, so here's my counterpoint. I agree that the Malone trade was a quote unquote bigger, more important trade historically than the Jimmy Butler trade. But at the time when they made the Butler trade, before we knew what would happen, that I, I think that's pretty comparable to what we're going through with Harden right now. We don't. Harden is technically a free agent in the summer if he wants to be. He seems happier with the situation than Butler ultimately was, but we don't really know if they're going to make it all the way. Uh, again, Butler was like a top 10 guy at the time. So I, I think if we're doing since dot, 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 I think Butler's the answer. But I, 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 you know, semantics at that point, guys. I think we all have really good trades, and I'm not saying that anybody's right here. I think it's a matter of perspective at this point. Um, but I, I mean, each one of them impacted winning because the Sixers got closest that they've ever been to an NBA Finals with Butler. They got to the NBA Finals because of Matumbo, and they won a championship because of Malone. Mm-hmm. So the the all three trades were very impactful. We expect the uh, you know Harden one to you know be so as well. That's that's for sure. For sure. Um, and more on Harden, according to John Clark over at NBC Sports Philadelphia, um, citing the official Fanatics site, Harden has been the top selling NBA jersey since the trade. Um, does that surprise anyone? <laughs> no. No, and I think the reason why is that James Harden is an international star. When he was on the Rockets, you know, before Maury made the statement about China, he had so many fans in China. And then, of course, you still have Houston uh, residents that probably still root for Harden, even if he's not on the team, because the the NBA is just about as much rooting for stars as they are rooting for teams at this point in time. Yeah. So I, I, I think it makes sense. And then, of course, the Sixers fan base is humongous as well. Yeah, I mean, I think any time a major trade like this goes down, there's going to be a spike in players' jerseys. Like, I have to assume the number two over that span has been Ben Simmons. Like, if I had to guess, I don't know that. Uh, it would be interesting to see where Ben is. Yeah, yeah, you're right. That's a good call there. Uh, I Like, Brooklyn obviously has a lot of, quote-unquote, international fans who are fans because of Kevin Durant, probably at this point. But, um, I mean... A whole Brooklyn fan base has to buy Ben Simmons jerseys now. There weren't any trades nearly of that magnitude unless we're talking about, like, Kings fans buying Sabonis jerseys. So, um, or, or Pacer fans buying Halliburton ones. That's true. That, but I, Or don't forget about the Wizards trading for Porzingis. Yeah. But like okay, Harden, now I'm making Harden a joke. is one of the ten biggest names in the NBA right now. Um, uh, like, of course, he gets traded to a fan base as – dedicated as Phillies, there's going to be a lot of jersey sales. So it, it doesn't surprise me. You know, Chris, we talked about James Harden's impact on the floor as well as like the impact, I mean, the impact on jersey sales as well as his, you know, impact in terms of Sixers trade history. But let's talk about more, less the expectations that, you know, he could have on some key teammates. So I'm going to say a couple and Chris and Uriah, you can chime in too, if you want. Okay. Um, Shake Milton. Um, well, I mean, he probably cuts into his minutes a little bit. Uh, I don't know how important Shake's going to be in the rotation. Ideally, 
Tyrese Maxey and James Harden are staggered to some degree. Shakes like really isn't as useful as he was before the Harden trade. Um, but more has often it's been less is more with Shake in his career. So in a certain sense, that should take some pressure off of Shake as a creator. He can be an off guard some more, focused on defending wings as opposed to guards in certain situations. Like all that is theoretically a benefit, but like his numbers are going to dip a little bit, even if he's in a better spot individually. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. I think he's going to play a lot more off guard. I I almost expect him to get similar amount of minutes, especially now with the center position being a little bit up in flex. I think we'll see a little bit more of George's Niang at center, which means more wing minutes for everybody else. Um, and I, I expect him to be an off guard. I expect him to be more aggressive, just looking for a shot versus trying to initiate the offense. Work. This is all working under the assumption that you know Doc Rivers will actually stagger minutes, but we'll have to wait and see on that. Um, so then our next guy is Corkmaz, Uriah. Uh, I mean, not Uriah. Chris, how do you feel about Corkmaz? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be the same thing for all the quote-unquote shooters on the roster. Like James Harden being the guy who's leading the offense and setting things up is going to help all the shooters get more open looks. People are going to double Harden on the drive. He's going to put pressure on the rim. It's going to and you know there aren't many better passers in the league than Harden. So, um, yeah, for Furkan, he's probably going to feast. A lot of these shooters have played their best basketball of their careers next to Ben Simmons. It's not quite the same, but it's going to be a similar effect. Like he's a guy who can get the ball to shooters at a really high level, and it's going to improve. You know, Corkmaz. We'll talk about Niang, Danny. All those guys are going to feast off of James. I think. Yeah, speaking of Niang, I guess, yeah, I, I tend to agree. I think Korkmaz, the floor will be open more. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see his uh, percentage jump uh, this month with even Shake back in the lineup. We've seen his uh, percentage be at a season high for the month at 43. So I expect that to continue to be the case with um, James Harden now getting into the lineup where he doesn't have ball handling duties and he can just focus on his shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, um, I mean, like George, you could make a case that George should probably be the starter now. I, I mean, it's you could argue it. I don't know how many people would agree with that, but all these shooters are going to become, they're going to be in better positions because of Harden. Harden has spent most of his career either like scoring in isolation or setting up teammates to shoot from three. So, um, George is another guy who's going to benefit a whole lot. That's a 40% three-point shooter, probably the most confident shooter next to Korkmaz on the team at this point. So he's going to get a lot of looks, and he's going to benefit quite a bit. Yeah, I, I think I think George's Niang, you definitely got to consider him for a starting spot just because he's probably the um, highest-volume three-point shooter on the team outside of Korkmaz, and he's actually hitting his shots. Um, but, yeah, I tend to agree there. Now, this is an interesting one, Chris, because I think me and you are going to differ on this one. How does he affect Matisse Thibel? So, look, James Harden's going to elevate everyone around him. Like, the James Harden trade is ultimately a good one for Thibel. I, I said last week or last podcast, and I still agree, Thibel should not start next to Harden and Maxi and Harris and Joel because there's just not enough oxygen offensively for a guy who clogs the floor like that. But in lineups where it's him and Harden and two really good shooters and a rim running big or whatever, or three other shooters, he's going to be able to, you know, his cutting has improved quite a bit this year. Harden's a guy who can find him on those backdoor cuts, hit him out of the dunker spot. Like there are going to be moments 
but Harden really helps Thibault. He's going to get him more open looks from three. If Thibault can somehow miraculously like find some touch from three-point land, that'd be great. But it'll it'll help Thibault. Uh, it'll help everyone. Everyone's going to benefit in some way, shape, or form. Probably. Maybe you could argue not Embiid and Maxi, who we'll get to. But for the most part, everyone else is going to benefit to some degree. All the role players are going to be in a better position with James Harden than they mm-hmm. were before. Yeah, I, I, I think it would be. I would love for this this to play out, but I, I would love to see a little bit of pick and roll action with Thibault and James Harden. I think, you know, Thibault is a good lob threat and he's a good finisher around the rim. I think if we saw an action like that in the second unit, I think I'd be okay with that. If you know Joel's on the bench at that point, but yeah, I think you know he's going to elevate him because he's going to be able to hit on more backdoor cuts like Joel has been doing as of late. Uh, Chris, Danny Green. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, again, the same thing with Niang and Korkmaz. Like, that's the guy who's in there to defend and chuck threes. Um, Harden's going to set him up for a lot of threes. I think there's a pretty credible argument, again, that Danny should be the starter moving forward next to the other four main guys. Um, you know, obviously his minutes have gone down quite a bit this season. It's fair to question whether or not he can, like, physically hold up with regular starters minutes but even if you quote-unquote start him you don't have to play him 30 minutes a night you know you can stagger rotations and do stuff to to limit his playing time um but danny's one of the best spot-up shooters on the team in the league at times and harden's a great setup guy so again it's going to be all positive yeah, with Green, if you're if you're going to start him, which I I kind of feel more comfortable with him on the bench now. If you're going to start him, you cannot play him more than 18 to 22 minutes a game. I don't think his body will hold up otherwise. Uh his body has started to show a little bit of frailty at this stage of his career. It's nothing personal against him. It's just it's facts. This season he, he has not been able to stay healthy. So I I think if you do start him, I mean I think he can still be serviceable as a starter. I don't think he's the quintessential three and D player that he was even last year. Um, you know, I, I think you can make that work, but you, he's not going to be playing the bulk of your minutes moving forward at that small forward position. Okay, Chris. So then you have Tobias Harris. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, kind of like with shake, right? Less is more with Tobias. Um, he, has less pressure to create on his own, which is a good thing. That's never really been his strength. Like ideally Tobias is just chucking threes like George Niang and making a couple drives per game and playing out of the pick and roll with James. And he should look really good in that role. Um, you know, fewer post-ups, please less like dribble pull-ups with 18 seconds on the shot clock, cut that stuff out. Let James Harden handle those kinds of possessions, do the little things hit spot-up threes, if that's what Tobias does, if he buys into that role, then he's going to look really, really good next to James Harden. Yeah, I, I think you're right when you say more is less. I, I Less I, is more. Less is more, sorry. Less is more with well, him. more is less. Yeah, yeah both, both, both are true. <laughs> um, I, I think what we'll see is less maybe points per game from Tobias, maybe like 18, 17 but a lot more efficient shooting because, like you said, he's going to be making smarter choices with the, scoring the ball and when to pick his spots. 
Um, I don't mind Tobias post ups every once in a while because he he's not a bad post player. But is it should it be like the main focus of the offense? No. And I would love to see him being a role man like he was back in Orlando and in the in Detroit. I think that's going to be his bread and butter with um, with James Harden. Now here comes the fun, the two fun ones. I'm going to start off with Tyrese Maxey first, Chris. Yeah, I think Maxey's the one where there's like the most room to question whether or not this works because Maxey, the large majority of Maxey's value right now comes when he's handling the basketball. Like he he's not a great spot up shooter yet. He doesn't take a lot of those. He's taking more, but it's still not like his go to bread and butter stuff. And he, I mean, he is a ball dominant score first guard and James is going to have the ball in his hands a lot more now Maxie's going to have to learn to play off of him the Sixers are going to benefit from having two guys who can put pressure on the rim and handle the ball and set up guys they should be staggered Maxie is already clearly like learning from James Harden so from a mentorship perspective it's a really great thing for Maxie but I, I do think on the court there's going to be a pretty substantial adjustment period I, Maxie's numbers are probably going to dip a little bit but I, I think long-term, there's a case that it'll be beneficial for Maxi because he needs to learn how to play next to other guards and to play off the ball. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think the numbers will dip a little bit during the regular season. I think they'll become – I think once they figure out how – kind of like who takes what positions that I – and here's the other thing that we have to consider, Chris. James Harden is – he's not a spring chicken. I wouldn't be surprised if there were like, you know, six minute sex segments or even quarters where he just kind of lets Maxi do his thing. You know what I mean? Like, I think with those two, the best way to maximize both is, you know, both need to learn how to play off the ball a little bit better. It's not just Maxi. I think it's James Harden as well, because James Harden is going to have to learn to be more and more that type of player as he ages. Um, otherwise, he's not going to age well at all. Yeah. And then um, the other thing is, is like, let, I mean, he clearly has an affinity for Maxi, and he sees potential there. I think we can see that just based off of like, you know, pictures from practice and just how he was interacting in that Bucks game with Maxi. I, I think what we should hope to see is just, you know, let Maxi kind of be the main guy for the first like maybe half or three quarters and then, you know, be the main ball handler. And then James takes over in the fourth. That's what you need James Harden for. Uh, I think that's that's what you hope to see happen. Uh, maybe not this season because, I mean, James Harden can still put up some big numbers. But in the future, I think that's what you need both of them to be able to play off the ball even more, be better spot-up shooters because neither one of them are fantastic spot-up shooters. They're okay, but not fantastic. Um, but if they can both learn to be more effective off the ball. I think that's going to be better for the Sixers because like you said, they could both attack the rim whenever they want. It's just getting that that off ball is going to be the trickiest part of this. But I I think that could be good. Uh and the last but certainly not least, we have Joel Embiid. Chris, how 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 are, how is Harding going to impact Joel? Yeah, I I do think it's I think some Sixer fans have kind of glossed over the fact that this is a pretty funky fit in certain ways. Like you said, James Harden, one of the greatest offensive players of all time at his peak, truly a mm -hmm. tremendous player. He has never been much of an off-ball player at all. He doesn't always focus in when he's not touching the basketball. He a lot of times is just standing there on the perimeter. 
which is fine, but he's traditionally not a great catch and shoot guy either. He like doesn't hit as much of those shots as you'd think percentage wise or volume wise. So there's going to be an adjustment period for those two as well. Joel is going to have to learn how to play more off the ball. James well, he knows to how to, because he's played with Ben and Jimmy Butler. That's true, but that's always been a weird fit. And I don't think Joel has ever been a guy who is at his best without the ball in his hands. So there's going to be an adjustment period both ways. Joel has spent this entire season as like the central figure doing everything offensively for the Sixers. He's been playmaking more. He's going to have to give up some of that now to James. They're going to kind of probably have to take turns to a certain degree. Mm -hmm. But ultimately like having another superstar next to him is going to help Joel. Obviously it takes Mm -hmm. a certain pressure off of Joel. It takes a certain pressure off of James to have guys who can do what they can do at such a high level. Mm -hmm. So I I think it's good, like for longevity's sake, for keeping guys fresh to have guys who can both shoulder that load when they are called upon. Um, But it's going to be a weird fit for Harden at times. It's going to be a weird fit for Joel. He's not Clint Capella. He's not Dwight Howard, which never worked um, with James in Houston. So, you know, we'll, we'll see. But, I, I mean, I'm ultimately confident that two of the best offensive players in the league are going to figure it out. These are two very skilled players, two very smart players. I, I'm not, like, panicking about it. But there's going to be some ebb and flow there. It's going to take some time to adjust, for sure. Yeah, I, I mean, there, we have to be realistic. There is going to take time to adjust. Um the way that I would hope that it plays out is that like you want him to be fresh for the fourth quarter, you know, so he doesn't be the primary option for this first three quarters. The f- primary option for the first hey, three quarters should be Lucas. You Joel know what that B. sounds like? Kobe that and Shaq. like the Jimmy Butler season. Yeah. They save Jimmy. For, that sounds really similar to the Jimmy Butler. That's, day. that's what I'm going for. And actually, if you go back further, that's what Kobe and Shaq used to do. You let you let Joel take over for the first or Shaq, you know, you let them dominate for the first three quarters. And then the last quarter, you give it to the guard because, you know, it's a perimeter oriented league. And it worked. I think it worked pretty well for Joel and Jimmy. And I don't see why it wouldn't work for Joel and James. Yeah, for sure. But I think we can go ahead and move on, Chris. All right, so let's talk about the move that Lucas has been like sitting in a prayer circle hoping for <laughs> um, for the past few weeks, and that is uh, Willie Colley Stein joining the Sixers on a 10-day contract. Obviously, they opened up a roster spot with the James Harden trade. Um, now they have five centers on the roster, Lucas. What what was your um, initial feeling? I think we know your initial feeling, but why don't you let the listeners know how you felt when you saw the notification? I, I felt validated because this was the move that I thought they should have made at the beginning. I thought Willie Cauley-Stein is the perfect type of player that you want to have in the second unit with James Harden. He's a rim-running big. Is he spectacular at any one thing? No. He's a qual- he's a He's a solid backup center. He's not a great backup center. He's in the same vein of like the... JaVale McGee, long, lanky type of rim running, shot blocking, rebounding big. Mm-hmm. Like he's he, he's gonna get, you know, bullied in certain matchups. And no, he's not great at any one thing, but he knows his job, he knows his role. Never gonna live up to that lottery pick expectations, and that's okay. But he's he's solid enough, and that's what you need for about twelve to fifteen minutes in the playoffs for Joel. Yeah, so 
I, I will say this. I think Willie is one of those guys where, like, the idea of Willie Colleystein has always been better than what he's actually provided. Like, he oftentimes in his career has tried to do more than he's really capable of. He hasn't always, like, committed to that just rim-running, shot-blocking role that you'd like. So, in a way, I, I don't really know if we should expect much. Like, I mean, there's a reason... For Marquise Chris, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Well, I'll say this. I'll say this. Doc Rivers is one of the best coaches at getting players to buy into their roles. Yeah, I I don't think it's a bad move on a 10-day contract. You know, it's Mm -hmm. it's a tryout, but Mm -hmm. the Sixers don't need five centers on the roster in the playoffs. I think that's wasteful. I'm not convinced that Kali Stein is meaningfully better than Paul Reed or Paul Millsap or Charles Bassey, for that matter. I, I really don't think there's, like, a big jump there. Now, if he plays really well over the next 10 days and there isn't he does look meaningfully better than we can talk about it but i would prefer that they use the last roster spot on a wing or even who, who, who's a, who's available javon carter just signed with the worst um... comes to worst you give that spot to charlie brown so he's playoff eligible and you have another athletic wing but okay i don't hate that i actually don't <laughs> yeah i i just don't know if you need another center who has like the same skill set maybe a little bit like, like is a worse defender than Paul Reed and maybe not as much of a lob threat as Charles Bassey. You know what I mean? Like you have guys who can fill those roles. So I'm not sure it's really going to amount to much. I don't, my next question here for you, Lucas is like, how likely is it that he gets extended for the rest of the season? I'd say it's pretty likely. Like they're clearly giving him a chance and doc clearly wants a veteran who isn't mm-hmm. 37 years old, mm-hmm. but should they extend him for the rest of the season? I'm, I'm not so convinced. You know, I, I'm curious because it seems like Sixers Twitter was is a little divided on this. Is 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 Willie Colley Stein the guy that um, Daryl Morey was talking about on that recent interview? I don't know. I don't I, know. I mean, he wasn't a buyout guy. He wasn't a <laughs> well. He well he got waived. He got waived like three months ago. But yeah. Um. I. I mean. <laughs> He sounded like they already had a deal in place, and if that deal didn't happen, I have to imagine it was Willie Colleystein because the, mm-hmm. this is the deal that happened. So, mm-hmm. um, maybe they were just crossing their T's and making sure that Willie's personal uh, pro- yeah. uh, issues were resolved. And like, look, Maury did say he was a big man, and he's getting a vet for Doc. So it, it's clear that Doc wants another center. Um, Doc what doc wants and what's best for the team has not always been the same thing, but, um, Mm. you know, well, I think, I think after putting doc through that whole entire Ben Simmons fiasco, Daryl's kind of tossing, throwing him a bone. Yeah. Look, it's the 15th roster spot. It ultimately should not matter that much, but five centers on the roster for any team, especially a team that in the, I mean, I think you can still play Millsap at power forward a little bit. Yeah. But like you're basically having five guys, that can play back up Joel, which I don't yeah. think is necessary. Like if Joel, I mean, it's well, not the first time that it's happened. Remember when um they had Greg Monroe, Justin Padden, Boban Marjanovic, and yeah. uh, Amir Johnson. And I don't think it was like the right choice then either. You know what I mean? Like if Joel I know gets hurt, I... if Joel gets hurt, the, your playoffs hopes are out the window. So it's it's not like you're planning for the worst even like joel's gonna play 38 40 minutes tonight in the playoffs probably mm-hmm. in the series in the games that matter so you can survive the non-impede minutes better when james harden and tyrese maxine those guys are out there so i don't know i mean we thought so with jimmy butler and 
Greg Monroe literally cost us that game. Eight but, minutes of but, Greg Monroe. But I, I do think like Paul Reed is probably better than Greg Monroe if I had to like take a shot in the dark. You know. So. I mean, you 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 might be right. I'm just saying like. It, it, we think those eight minutes don't matter, but they really do. Okay, but is Willie Colley Stein gonna win you those eight minutes in a way the other guys aren't? I, I, I that's a fair question to ask, and I don't have the answer to that yet. That's why we have to see Willie on the floor and see what he can do with James Harden. Yeah, I, that's true. But I, I mean, I because James Harden does make those rim running bigs look better. That's true, but I'd I'd rather it be Paul Reed or Charles Bassey getting those reps. I I think that's I don't think there's much of a difference there like i'd just rather go mm-hmm. with the young guys but yeah well um, you know doc's not going to trust them in a playoff series i know you know you gotta build the roster to your coach mm-hmm. <laughs> um, a little bit yeah at least the end of the roster so we we shall see all right we're gonna do chris's favorite segment now because tomorrow will be or actually probably after uh, by the time morning. this comes, yeah, by the time this is already out, um, this are this podcast is out, there will be a article out ranking the, the you know the Sixers after the All Star break, uh, excluding Willie Collie Stein, of course. So he will not be in our rankings, but we each, you know, there's the rankings that I guess the site will see, and then I made my own rankings too, just to compare and contrast, and we'll go from there. Yeah. So, Chris, who did you have at 16? Um, I had Miles Powell. I honestly don't think he's worthy of a two-way contract. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Shout out to Miles Powell. But good, good for you getting that that uh, that bag, though, man. <laughs> good for you. Okay, I think fifteenth. We're probably the same here too. Who do you have? Charlie Brown Jr. <laughs> really? Okay. Uh, I had uh, I had Jaden Springer. Okay. I I think the argument could be made right now that Charlie Brown Jr. is a better player. You certainly could. Um, yeah. I think this is like a heart overhead thing for me. Um, okay. Well, at least I you're mean, willing Jayden, to admit it. Jaden has looked really good in the G League from what I've seen. Um, I, I mean, I still believe in him as a prospect. I think he has a lot of interesting skills. Um, clearly, he's not ready for the NBA yet. Doc hasn't. He's played like six total minutes this season, and Charlie Brown has been much more frequented by doc rivers in like spots where they need an extra guy so i i I get it that's certainly a credible argument there maybe the right argument but um, you're going with your heart on this i'm gonna go with my heart and really my head because i do like believe in Jaden springer i I think he has a bit i think he has a larger ceiling but right now if you compare like yeah i mean look charlie brown jr really isn't giving you anything on offense he's an athlete which the sixers don't have a lot of he's he's their second best perimeter defender in my opinion i think he's better he's better he's like he's a better defender than danny green right now like it's it's hard to say that but i mean danny green has not looked great this year as a certainly he's certainly a better on-ball defender so yeah i I get it we've seen more of charlie brown but i'm I'm gonna put springer at 14 just because i want to okay and i and i had brown at 14 so we can just go to 13 now who did you have at 13 um i have charles bassey Mm, interesting how about you i have paul Millsap. yeah i think that's fair yeah, I mean, you could make uh, you, you if you say, "Hey, would you be willing to flip him?" Maybe. I think he's a tough, smart player that can still offer you a little bit, but the athleticism, just the lack of that, and the fact that he's already six seven, like that's yeah. it, just hurts him too much. I think at this stage of his career, 
I think that's fair. I mean, the counter argument is that he was like a starter for the first half of the last season. So we yeah. have pretty recent track record of him being like a good, productive NBA player. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, former All Star. He he's not an All Star now, but he's a very smart and intelligent player. Who yeah, it's athleticism. It's not skill or ability that's going to tank him on the court. But yeah, but he's I'm undersized pretty... and he's not athletic, so that's 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 yeah. a double edge. This whole thirteen to ten or even nine range, you can like flip him any which way. I don't think there's mm-hmm. a lot separating these guys. All right, and then I had Char- Charles Bassey at twelve. Did you have Paul Millsap at twelve? I, I have Isaiah Joe at twelve. But really? Again, okay. Again, like these are things you can flip. Isaiah really hasn't been that great this season. Um, like he's shooting thirty three percent from deep. That's his one mm-hmm. real NBA skill right now, but. I, I'm a believer still that he'll come around to some degree. So, again, you can flip all these guys around. Okay. Okay. And then 11, I have Paul Reed. Yeah, I, I have Paul Millsap at 11. Okay. All right. And then I guess your 10 would be Paul Reed? It, it would be Paul Reed. Uh, my, my 10 is Isaiah Joe. All right. Shake. I got Shake at 9. Who do you have? I, I also have Shake at 9. Okay. Do you have Maz at 8? I do have Furkan Maz at number 8. Okay, I got George's Niang at seven. All right, so here's where I go a little bit off character in a way. I have Danny oh, at number seven. Oh, oh, okay, okay. I, you know what? I can buy that one. I can buy that. I, I would buy that stock. So here's my argument, and okay. this will build someone into six and five. But I mean, clearly Danny just can't play as much as he used to be. And the two guys I have ahead of him can play more than Danny. And that's really the one separator. Like, I think talent-wise, there's a good case for Danny at five. But he's giving you that production in 23 minutes a game instead of, like, 28, 29. Like, George and Matisse are guys that you can start and finish games with. You can do that with Danny, but he's just not playing as many minutes, I think, at this point. So I I think it's like an availability kind of thing that has me – bump him down to seven okay but he's still a good off ball defender still hits a lot of threes still a really impactful player when he's out there so I, i'm not trying to like disparage danny or anything but that's mm-hmm. why i have him at number seven i you know what that's fair i do have george's Yang at seven and um i mean you could convince me to put him up to six i think he's i he's probably the most consistent shooter the sixers have had this season now that seth curry's gone and he's not a he's i mean is he a quick defender no but can he body you up and stay in front of you well enough most most forwards yes he can and i think he's a smart basketball player he makes good decisions so for all those reasons i i you know i have him at seven but i i wouldn't mind having him at six and then of course i have danny at six and you know all the reasons you said and i i have matisse thibel at six Oh, you have Matisse so, Thibel at six. I have George at five. That's okay. Oh, that's oh, piss off certain people. But. Oh, oh, yeah, you are. Oh, yeah, certain people certain right here on the podcast. People. Yeah. Are you talking about me? Yes. Uh, <laughs> I thought you were going to dance around that and string. No, it along, I mean, but... like, let's talk about it. Matisse Thibel is the worst offensive player on the team. Like, and Drew is the worst defensive player, the slowest. Uh, hold on, hold up. I think Charlie Brown Jr. is worse on defense. Player. I think George, I think I think has been a pretty solid, reliable defender this year. I mean, they brought him in as the van against the deer. The worst defensive player on the team is probably James Harden. <laughs> Look, you wait and see. 
You wait and see. If if you bench Thibel now and decrease his minutes, is going to come back to. Okay, so here's what my general argument is: you don't have to decrease his minutes if you quote unquote bench him. You just have to be smarter with how you deploy him. Now that you have the lineups, right? Guys, yeah, like he can still play 25 minutes a night, but he shouldn't be playing when Maxi and Harris and Harden and Embiid are all playing at the same time because you need shooters to space out the floor for those guys. Yeah. Now, if you have only one or two of those guys in the lineups and you have Danny and George around him, then you can cover it more. But, like, w- what we saw against Boston and Milwaukee is that Five was just going to tank the offense against really good defenses. And in the playoffs, when deep defenses are really keyed in, that's going to be an issue. Like, mm-hmm. there are going to be games and stretches where you just can't have Thibault on the floor because of his offense and he is a great defender he i gave him like a first team all defense vote in my midseason ballot he's a great great defender but like the terrible offense is going to be situationally pretty problematic and at a certain point maximizing Embiid and harden as an offensive duo is going to give you more long term than what thibault can give you defensively so then i george i think is a capable defender offensively he's done a lot of really clever smart things he's more than just the shooter as lucas has been harping since before the season he's like you guys. a smart screener and cutter and passer george has been really good and he can play 28 30 minutes if you need him to he chucks a lot of threes he fits really well with this team so are you saying that george's Yang should be the starter i think george forward? i think there's a pretty credible argument that george should be the fifth starter and i i think he's like the better player at least i, I don't i don't hate roster. that take I don't. I don't hate that take. So, I don't hate it. So who's gonna guard Jason Tatum? Who's gonna guard? I don't know. Can't think of any. Uh, I would say Bradley Beal, but he's not out. But you see what I'm getting at? Yeah. I, who's I, gonna guard I, those guys? And there are gonna be matchups where Thibault plays a lot more than in other. Ma- like it's gonna be situational again at times. But like sometimes you're gonna have to like have Tobias check Jason Tatum mm. and do his best, which isn't ideal. But he's not the worst defender then you got in the Jaylen world. Brown. Then you got Jalen Brown. I, I know, but Tyrese Maxey. Okay, can we talk that Tyrese Maxey's probably like one of the top five perimeter defenders on this team, and he's looked good this season as a defender. Not just okay, not just average, but good. Yeah. Like, like let's. I, I, I think we need to give Maxey a little bit of love on you know the defensive side Tatum. of the ball, and I think he can. Tatum and Butler will eat him alive. I'm not saying put him on them, but you said Jalen Brown. Well, Jalen Brown. The, if you got the van in there, was he going to guard him? I mean, Look, he didn't. Do, he, 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 he didn't do bad against Giannis, all things considered. Yeah. Like I, okay. I agree, a regular season game before the All Star break. Come on, man. I'm, I'm not just even saying. saying that Thibault should play fewer minutes than George. Like I'm just saying, at a certain point, the offensive benefits of extra shooting around Joel and James is greater than the defensive benefits. Guys are going to torch the Sixers, true. But if you put a bunch of shooters around Joel and James, they're going to torch the other defense, too. Like, Can I... at a certain point, you have to lean into the offense. And I'll, I'll say this. I think this. that's what this duo is kind of being set up to do. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I, I think so, too, because you still have Joel at the back line protecting the rim. To a certain degree, like, a failure in roster building that Seibel's the only person who can really guard guys at a high level. Like that's a problem with the roster. It really shouldn't be that way. Ideally they need to look in the off season for more athletic wings who can defend and shoot. Like, but that, they're, they're not cheap. They're, they're not cheap. Chris, that's the thing. They're not cheap. They aren't. And they're rare, but 
Like, like Seibel is truly the worst offensive player on the team. Like, that's a pretty big issue. And is he worse than Charlie Brown Jr.? He, like, okay, but if, if that's the point <laughs> of comparison, it's an issue. Yeah, like, okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, I, I get your point. I get your point. It's a free body to throw at Joel or James or whoever. Like, they mm-hmm. don't have to pay attention to Seibel on mm-hmm. defense. Like, that's an issue. Okay, so then you have George's five. I have I have Matisse five. You know, he's an all NBA d- defender. You know, I think if he's an all NBA defender, you have to have him in the top five in players wise. That's that's just the way you can't you can't have him. You cannot have him in the, with the, not in the top five. But that's that's just my I will opinion. Say this. There are going to be games like the Milwaukee game where Matisse plays 14 minutes mm-hmm. because he can't play more than that. I don't think there are going to be games like that for Niang. Like I don't think there are games where you scheme play. out George the way you can scheme out Seibel for mm-hmm. different reasons. But I, I think that's a real issue. Like in a Buck series, I don't think we're gonna see a lot of Matisse Seibel. And maybe even in a Celtics series, as great as he is on Jason Tatum, like the Celtics just took complete advantage of the fact that Seibel's a nothing burger on offense. And so, I'm pretty sure that he could do the same thing. Yeah. So I, I think the, that's that, a real concern. The Nets can't, but like those other teams, they could. They could. That's a fair point, Chris. Okay. So, number four, who, who do you got there? Uh, I have Tobias at number four. And we yeah. kind of had this conversation last week. Yeah. Yeah. We both agree that he's the number four option moving forward. He should be anyway. Um, and then I guess we can both say number three is Maxi, correct? Yes. We don't need to go into that. Number two. Now, this is where I'm curious. Who do you have at number two? Come on, it's it's Harden. Okay, uh, there's okay, no Harden. Okay, okay, yeah, that's what I thought. So too, that's what I have to. Harden's two, and then Joel's one. Yeah, ask me two years ago. I may I asked me like last year, maybe at a certain point, I might have said James Harden. But where we're at this season, where Embiid, the level Embiid is playing versus the level that Harden's been playing at in Brooklyn. Granted, he probably wasn't totally happy, the hamstring issue, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I think right now you have to say Embiid. Now, if Harden like returns to Houston form after the All Star break and he's like putting up thirty six and twelve or whatever, then we can talk about it. But right now, Joel is having like one of the great offensive seasons of the last twenty thirty years. So I, you have to say Joel. Yeah, I yeah I think so too. Joel's the front runner for the MVP. I think, like I said earlier in this pod, it, the best way for the Sixers to succeed is let Joel dominate for the first three quarters and let Harden take over that last quarter. I think that's just yeah. the best way to play it right now. Save Harden for the playoffs, let Joel do his thing. And honestly, most of the time, Sixers don't even need Joel to be dominant in the fourth quarter because they usually have the game in hand. So you, you, I, I think we'll be okay. Yeah, I, I agree. Okay, so Chris, I think it's time for you to go ahead and play us out, man. All right. Um, so y'all heard it here first. Our number one Smurf is um, Gargamel, and um, we will be back next week to <laughs> get back into the Sixers after a two-episode break. Um, so thanks to all our listeners for tuning in to yet another week's episode. Next podcast episode, we'll be talking about James Harden playing in a Sixers uniform. That's very exciting. Until then... Uh, shout out to Smurfette and Vanity Smurf and all the Smurfs. Um, we'll talk to y'all soon. Bye.